0: It's so key that we take our immune systems to the gym. By getting out there and hugging, we are meant to be resilient.
1: My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to provide insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness, because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee, and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Hey there. And we are going to be bringing on our friend, Sean Wells today. He, well, I say friend, like we've been friends for a lifetime because it it feels that way, but we actually just met about a month ago at the biohacking Congress. Well, that's how it works. There's just those people where you don't need that time in history. Yeah. You just
2: are. You just are friends.
1: Yeah. Sean, Sean's amazing. And This podcast was really great because, you know, like we always do, right? We set up our questions of ideas of what topics we want to talk about, but we just like let this one flow today, and we got into some really great conversation about, I don't know, I don't even want to give it away, but obviously we're going to talk about his book, The Energy Formula, which if you haven't already bought a copy and read it, go go right now, go to Amazon or go to the website and buy it. But all kinds of things, biohacking, getting through this crazy year that we're dealing with, and focusing on ourselves and self love and mindset. And I love everything that we talked about with your tribe and community. So many great aspects of health that we get into today. You're giving it away. <laughs> I, know. I was like, I'm not going to do it. Okay. So yeah, I'm zipping it. <laughs>
2: he, yeah, He just has such a wide perspective and such a, a gracious perspective on life and, um, our relationship to other humans. It's really beautiful. And yes, get the book because he tells just some amazing stories and some of them are hard to believe that he's really been through all of that. Um, but it's just colored in such a a really rich and educational way. So
1: highly recommend. Yes. Highly, highly recommend. I'm going to call it the biohacking book of the year because it's just perfect for everyone or just the book of the year. The book of the year. There we go. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, before we give away all the goodies, um, I just want to tell you a little bit more about Sean before we bring him on. So Sean Wells is the world's leading nutritional biochemist and expert on health optimization. He has formulated over 500 supplements, food, beverages, and cosmeceuticals, and patented 10 novel ingredients, including tiocrine, dynamine, and dihydroberberine, and is now known as the ingredientologist, the scientist of ingredients ingredients. Formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience, he has counseled thousands of people on innovative health solutions such as keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. He has also personally overcome various health issues, including the Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and a pituitary tumor. As a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health, he has been paid to speak on five different continents. His insights have been prominently featured in documentaries and podcasts like Ben Greenfield and regularly on morning television. His expertise can help any health-conscious individual to better manage stress and experience greater resilience and more energy through utilizing his practical research-backed solutions. His book, The Energy Formula, has been recognized by both USA Today and Forbes, as well as an Amazon bestseller in multiple categories. And as we said, the book of the year. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring Sean on for this awesome conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome Sean to the biohacker babes podcast. We are so excited for this conversation with our fellow potentially biohacker babe. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to the trio. (laughs) How are you doing?
0: I'm doing amazing. I've been excited to do this show ever since we met at uh, biohacking Congress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had such a fun weekend. I guess that was maybe about a month ago. So for those listening, so Sean and I first met in person at the biohacking Congress in Silicon Valley last month. And we had a blast that weekend. It was just like this amazing tribe of biohackers all hanging out and learning together. And honestly, I wish I could do it every weekend. It was so much fun. And Uh, sorry, Lauren, I know (laughs) Lauren will be at the next one in Miami. And for anyone that wants to join us, Miami in October, we will all be there having a blast yet again.
0: And I was in a room or a, a house full of ladies, sorry, a house full of ladies. And I was the one doing all the cooking and cleaning. I don't know how that happened, but.
1: I know, I, I know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you were the uh, like house mom for us with all the biohacker babes, um, and yeah. Sean is an, an amazing chef. He cooked us up some awesome breakfasts and dinners, and I can also say that my CGM showed my blood sugar was very steady the whole weekend. So, oh, yeah,
2: is that your love language, cooking?
0: I do enjoy it. Yes, I am. A, I am a dietitian after all, and I. I did uh, cook in many, many restaurants, so yes, I, it's it's something I take pride in. It's
2: your go-giving. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm so sad that I missed out on that. I, I try not to let FOMO swallow me up, but I think this is a huge lesson in that you don't go to conferences for the education, you go to meet the people, and <laughs> I am
1: definitely yeah. not going to miss out on the next one.
2: Good. Good. I hope to see you
1: there. Yeah. Well, Sean, first of all, congratulations on your book, uh, The Energy Formula. This book is incredible. Lauren and I both had the opportunity to read it. And I will say for everyone listening, whether you're just getting into biohacking, you're brand new to the space, or you've been in it for decades, you will learn from the book. It's got such a wide variety of information, and we'll definitely dive into some more of the topics today. But Congrats to you. We're so so excited for you. Thank you so
0: much. It's gone really really well. I'm very proud of it. It's close to 400 pages, but I think as you've seen like it's not just some long boring book. It's got, you know, quizzes and diagrams and these formulators corners that go through supplements and resource hacks that have all the different apps and techniques and devices and it's just got a ton of cool stuff. Like all the scientific citations are in there and it's broken up in these six ingredients of the, of the word energy and uh, it's got some of my stories in it too, but a lot of really good science, super practical. So I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of um, that. I did the audible with my voice. So it's the unabridged book on audible so that's awesome. Cool so it's all available, great. ebook, hardcover. The Hardcover is, is a, a little pricier because it's literally full color front to back, as you guys have seen, um, has pictures in it and tons of diagrams and all that stuff. So it's, it's pretty premium, but you can obviously get the ebook for a, a great value as well. And then on energyformula.com, I have like a hidden chapter Um, that's on natural movements, like ancestral movement, and then a fasting for energy guide. That's really cool. It's about 25 pages all on like how you do fasting and how it's different for women and all that kind of stuff.
2: Great. Wow. So generous. I mean, I love the hardback. I just thought from a design perspective as a consumer, it just was so digestible because it was broken up in that way. And I love the visuals and I love that like every few pages, there was sort of something to pull your attention, not in a distracting way, but it really kept your focus because it wasn't just like pages of text. Mm. So I really appreciate the way that you broke it up with resources and oh, it's just so well done. It's really, it's very fun to go through.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to turn it on you guys. So first off, it's the energy formula and it's an acronym experiment, nutrition, exercise, routines, growth, and your tribe. And I'm curious, Renee and Lauren, which was your favorite chapter?
1: Oh. My answer is very clear, but I'll let you go. <laughs> I I think I want to say your tribe because yeah. Oh, I don't know. That in the, the experimenting chapter because I think that's such an essential piece for biohackers is the experimenting. And I think some people get a little bit nervous about that. So I love that you really break down how to do it and how important that is. But to talk a little bit more about the tribe, it was also very fitting because I started reading the book right after I met you and all these amazing biohackers. And I was like on cloud nine that week after. Yeah. Cause just like this sense of community is so important. And, you know, when you're in the health space, yeah, we, we talk about nutrition and fitness and sleep all the time, but I don't think enough people are talking about this piece right. and, you know, I'm a big fan of the blue zones. We talk about that a lot on the podcast and we can learn so much from that, right? The community piece can override maybe a bad diet and, you know, some other things kind of that aren't perfect. So I think I'd have to say that was my favorite chapter. Yeah, I
2: agree. 100%. Just because it's, I feel like it's the missing piece and not that the other pieces of the puzzle are not vital, but we've heard them and and they're done in a different way in your book. And I really appreciate that. Like your personal experience really enriches all of those things, the nutrition, experimentation, all that but the, your tribe piece is just not heard enough. It's not told enough. And and the way you tell it and explain it is just so beautiful. And you can feel that you're living it. I haven't actually met you in person, but I can feel that you are speaking from your heart. And I think that just means so much.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually my favorite chapter too. And, And you guys are my tribe. And, and I felt that too, Renee, like that's that's really powerful for me to have these experiences too. And if you look at not only the blue zone stuff, which I've been to Sardinia a number of times, uh, but also the Harvard study that's now like 80 years running, the number one predictor of longevity was quality of relationships. So I agree. It's, it's a very powerful one. If you go to like Sardinia or, you know, South Korea or wherever, like they're not, they're not living a long time because they're doing peptides and coffee grounds, enemas, (laughs) you know, exosomes. right. They're living a long time because they have purpose. Like they're not just retiring and kind of dying like on the vine where they feel like they have no purpose or relevancy. And then they also have connection with incredible people around them. And people that the interesting thing in like the Harvard study was, it sounds like quality relationships is amazing. Like if you have like, you know, mentors and people that are challenging you and so loving and all these things, but like the interesting thing that they noted in the Harvard study was that there was a number of like marriages that, and that lasted a long time. And these people lived a long time that the couple was like chippy even like they noted this but these people like felt like they could count on each other. So it wasn't always like super romantic and loving and all these things. Like sometimes it's just, you know, obviously that's great if you have that, but there is like a a huge aspect to just having someone's back and having that safety net and so those are there's just a number yeah. of lessons in there that that to me uh, that is the most powerful one too and that's why I wanted to finish the book on that chapter like that was very conscious i wanted to like start with you know what you want and finish with what you need so it was like oh, all yeah. like,
2: super <laughs> sciencey
0: great. and biohacking at the beginning and it kind of you know moves like towards like growth starts getting like growth mindset and stoicism and then it gets into your tribe so it's like a little bit more um, you know, explorative towards the end, a little bit more qualitative than quantitative.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So important. Was there a time in your life that you really realized that you needed people? You have so many amazing stories in the book about people that you've met and I guess, lessons that you've learned. Was there a moment that you lay down at night in bed and you were like, Oh, yep. That's it.
0: You know, I, uh, well recently that I've been exploring plant medicine I've had some massive shifts in imposter syndrome depression I've fought depression most of my life even suicidal thoughts at points so you know you guys have read that in the book and that's something that i'm I'm glad to bring out and bring to the open so people can know that like you know people that can be successful can really fight this and you hear about it all the time like like Chester Bennington with Lincoln park or Chris Cornell at Soundgarden, all these like, you know, comedians, all these things, like you think, Oh, they're so happy. They've got fans, they've got family, they, and they commit suicide. So it's, it's a real thing that like, even successful people, even people that have amazing people around them, like still can battle depression. And so it's important that not only do you have this beautiful group of people around you, but that you do the inner work so that you one love you and two maintain those amazing people around you. And for me, like, that was like the turning point was in some ways I love myself. In some ways I was my own worst critic. I was, I always felt like the imposter. I was always trying to level up and it was all about achievement and it was never good enough and perfectionism. And like, you know, I have all these letters after my name, that wasn't good enough. And it was like, I was on TV and that wasn't good enough. And then I was in this mastermind and that wasn't good enough and cars and houses. And like, it just, it was never enough cause there's always another level. And it wasn't until like, I really started doing plant medicine work that I like granted myself grace and really felt like I could take a breath. And I could actually look back and admire like what I had accomplished. Like I had the most amazing experience with this guy who's a hypnotherapist, like for elite poker pros. I met him, like at a mastermind and and he was like kind enough to like do like a session with me. And you might've heard about like that whole thing. Like, cause I went back to a traumatic moment of my childhood and, and I saw myself as a child. And then I said, you know, like, Oh, like, I love you. And I hugged myself as a child and that was beautiful. And I was already crying. And then he said, no, what does that child think about you? And that's when I was like, just bawling, just (laughs) bawling because I had never, I think my whole life, I wanted people to see me, to love me so that I would love myself to be proud of me. And then I could be proud of myself for me to actually give that to me was like a massive turning point for me. And and plant medicine like really allowed me to dissolve the ego and get really into my self and just get rid of all the stories and the, you know, the ego protects you, but it also prevents you. Mm-hmm. And okay. So kind of breaking all that down was super helpful for me. And then having this, soul fam, as I call them, uh, around me was so beautiful that they were there to help me, to see me, to witness me. But then also I developed like just intense friendships with them because I realized that intimacy, like for my whole life, I thought intimacy was like you know, having sex or like, uh, you know, whatever, like this relationship with the, the significant other. And I realized that intimacy is about being vulnerable and being seen. Mm. And that's a two way thing. And so <clears throat> there was people that I was at these events with that in the two or three days, I was at these plant medicine experiences that I had almost deeper relationships with than people that were in my family or in my whole life because they had never seen me like that. Mm. And so wow. that's powerful to me. Like that's I mean, I've had great experiences with, you know, lots of different tribes and, you know, the keto groups and biohacking and all these different things and places I've worked. But this was this was a game changer for me. Letting my cat in, sorry.
2: <laughs> cat, That's the game I play. Like I'm like dog in, dog, dog out.
1: <laughs> we have three animal lovers here. I'm sure we'll be inter- interrupted multiple times by different animals today. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, kitty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think part of your tribe too is your pets, Sean. and percent. Oh, you, you talk um, about you've have, you've have one dog, one dog, and one cat. Right.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, y- yes, yeah. I have a little. A uh, Shih Tzu here, right next to me, and my cat's now in the room. But yes, my dog is 15 and a half years old. Take her for a walk around the lake every day for two and a half miles, and Aww. she eats carnivore keto, and she's still doing great.
2: it's so awesome.
0: It's an inspiration to me. Like, but absolutely, like yeah. my pets are just huge to me. I don't have kids, so it's like the closest thing I've got, and. I'm irrational. Like my dog goes with me to like restaurants, like volleyball games I'm playing in, <laughs> movies, like it just goes everywhere.
1: That's I, the cool thing about dogs. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could bring my cats everywhere I go.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> hmm. well, we do have that in common. Our pets are our children in this trio. Yeah, yeah they're part <laughs> of our tribe, and they really right. do. They bring they bring so much joy. It's insane. As you, well as microbiome. Have...
0: So that's one. Yes. Yeah. You now, a, a lot of this book is about resilience on a number of levels. That's really like when I was already writing it a certain way, but like when COVID broke out, I really wanted like the through line to be resilience. And I talk about in the book like um, allostatic load and the, the stress bucket uh, that we have and that we've become easier to kill. We become more fragile. Uh, our buckets are much smaller in terms of how much our stress capacity we have. And that goes for not only like physical stress as we might think about it, but also like I cover in growth, like the mental stress. And so there's stress and distress. And then I talk about in the middle, there's the Goldilocks zone, which is the ideal amount of stress. But even things <laughs> that we think of that are positive stressors or hormetic stressors can, if if our bucket's too small, if we're dealing with too much, can become distressors. So for example, this is really the case in what I find with women hormonally, especially if you're already lean, if you're already working a lot, et cetera, that sometimes strict keto or extended fasting, or some of these things like they seem like they're stresses. They seem like they're hormetic stresses, but when it's added to a number of other things, your bucket overflows and they're not, and they're distresses. So that's where right. like doing cyclical or targeted or, you know, metabolic flexibility, if you're doing keto, or if you're, you know, doing fasting, that intermittent fasting probably makes more sense or, some of these kinds of things, like even like red light and, you know, hot saunas or cold plunges, like, you know, you have to like do these things in the right way, just like going to the gym. Like you can't like, you know, walk in and do two hours of power lifting if you've worked <laughs> out in years. So it's <laughs> the same idea is that you have to build up that threshold, that tolerance.
2: And yeah. The- I find that even mostly with exercise. That's like the one thing that people are like, well, oh, I got to squeeze in that exercise when they're so stressed and they're running around. I'm like, no, that's the last thing you should do <laughs> is I... add more fuel to the fire. You really have to look on that spectrum. Like where is your stress and and consider all of it. And I love those images that you have, of the stress buckets It's really helpful. Yeah.
0: And, and HRV is so helpful. Like when I looked at, I had, um, Essentially, like one of those things where you can kind of look like moment to moment that like I had uh, uh, a monitor on that was like like very high level for Dr. Stickler, who I worked with in Austin. And I was playing volleyball. I play like doubles volleyball. So twos in the sand. And it's pretty intense. Like if yeah. <laughs> played like twos in the sand, like competitive, like and I was playing for hours and hours and hours. And I usually play until like I barely can stand up. he showed me, he's like, I was looking at these graphs. He's like, like what's going on here. And I was like, you know, that's when I was just like starting the tank. I remember it like, but I played for probably another two hours after I was just. Wow. And he's like, look at like what this does for the next two days. And I'm like, two days, two days. Yeah. You're
2: like, but I I feel fine.
0: Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, it's just, So yeah, for sure. Like there's, and, and it's not just playing volleyball or exercising. It's like how we deal with, you know, the stress going on in our lives. It's like, it's collective, it's all of it, you know, like, so that's why getting into the parasympathetic nervous system and doing, you know, your meditation and your affirmations and your, you know, walks around the lake or like whatever it is, like, you know, reading a book and journaling, Like all that stuff is good for stress management so that you can have more capacity to work out too fast, to do whatever it is you're doing. But yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. You have to be at the right point to be able to handle that. Like this morning, I will say my HRV was not great because I was telling Lauren before we hit record, I didn't sleep great last night because I have a eight week old kitten sleeping in my bed for the last three nights. Which actually I'm curious, Sean, do you let your pet sleep with you? I do. You do. It doesn't bother you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Or does it?
0: (laughs) Uh, Occasionally. (laughs) Is it part
1: of your stress?
0: I'd say typically it doesn't, um, you know, to some degree, like it's, it's a comfort for me, like too. So It's hard to say. I don't think they're waking me up too much. My, my dog is pretty old now. Like if she gets up like in the middle of the night, it's because she's got to go to the bathroom immediately or something, but that doesn't happen too much. It's probably not unlike having a kid that might get sick on occasion or, you know, something. So not a big deal
1: overall. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say the benefits outweigh any disadvantages cuz you're right it's like it seems kind of rare and then like where they keep you up and mm-hmm. just having the, the cuddles and the microbiome effect I'm like give give it to me
0: exactly so that yeah that's my point that I was circuitously now making is <laughs> that resilience it's so key that we take our immune systems to the gym by getting out there and hugging And it's okay to be around people coughing and sneezing. That's only been a thing recently that we're like, Oh my God, like run
2: freaking
1: out. You you can't (laughs) cough in public anymore. You're just like ostracized.
0: It's okay to like eat food off the table or the floor, you know, whatever it is, or like, not like use the paper towel over the handle, you know, like when you're leaving the bathroom or whatever, like (laughs) me, like it, like my dog, like eat poop or drink out of the lake, like I mean, I'm not saying that all the time, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like, they're resilient, and we are meant to be resilient. And the more we are isolating ourselves, not getting enough vitamin D outside, not doing grounding, not getting the microbiome, not hugging people, and you know, not getting the challenges that we should to our immune system, it's one thing. Again, if your bucket's overflowing, if your immune system's tanked, you're immunocompromised. No, you shouldn't be doing these things. You should be thoughtful about them. Mm-hmm. But if your immune system's in a good spot, you do want to challenge it so it becomes stronger. Like that's why like yeah. antibiotics are counterproductive, and possibly even some of these vaccines could be long run counterproductive to the immune system.
2: And, I think and the fear, the yeah. fear is killing us. Like I, fear I had is to go. Oh, it's awful. I had to go to the clinic this morning to get a covid test for work. I have to test negative so I can go. And this woman walked in and, you know, they cover every other seat so that there's social distancing and there's a little sign on the seat where she wanted to sit. She wasn't supposed to sit there, but she pulled out her antibacterial spray to to spray it because I guess her butt was going to get covid if she sat on it. It's like, what what are you doing? Oh my God, yeah. feel fear. You're like, Oh gosh, I just want to like, calm me down.
0: <laughs> and that's killing all the good bacteria that you need to protect you. One. Exactly. And two, it's killing the quote unquote bad bacteria that challenges and strengthens your immune system. So that's to me, that's like one of the worst things is sterilizing everything.
1: Yeah. Actually, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago, some airline finally admitted that they shouldn't be spraying all these toxic chemicals on the planes. I was like, I'm glad it took a year for us to realize that, but at least someone's thinking about it. But yeah, you're,
0: the you're lessons right learned. Like here too, that, that, that lowers the immune system. It's been shown like by over 50%. Like, so, you know, that in like having the fear of these things is literally putting you and more at risk a disadvantage. COVID or, or whatever yeah. it
1: is, right? Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. I know. I mean, through the pandemic, we're seeing an increase in obesity, loneliness, immune issues. It's like, get outside, yeah. put your feet in the grass, get some sunshine, shake yeah, some hands, hug some people.
2: <laughs> yeah, I haven't stopped hugging people, nothing can stop me from doing that. I, I need the hugs. Yes. You need
0: to hug more. Yes. Hug. And if
2: you don't want to hug me then I'll go find someone else to hug.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, I have to say another part of your book that I really resonated with was just the beginning, your story, your health journey. I mean, we spent a whole weekend together and I was like, Sean is the healthiest person I've ever met. I mean, you're just like <laughs> the, you know, walking picture of health. And when I read your book, I'm like no way. I, I had no idea all that you had been through. And, you know, a lot of similar issues. And I talk about this a lot on the show. People know I've dealt with Epstein-Barr virus, chronic mm-hmm. fatigue syndrome, just being like sympathetically driven all day, every day. I don't, can you share a little bit more about your journey? Like what got you to where you are yeah. today?
0: Yeah. I, I had a, a chaotic childhood, I would say, and and really fought depression uh, badly and and Used junk food as my therapy. I became morbidly obese. Uh, got bullied because of that um, all through school, and it was in college that I decided to start working out and you know getting into the weights. And I started seeing a transformation in my body, getting more proud of who I was. And I went to this doctor um while I was going to my undergrad and told him about how passionate I was about all this stuff. And he saw my passion and drew out this lifeline from I was 20 at the time to 80. And he said, why not be happy between here and here? And that like totally shifted like I was supposed to graduate business school and like work at a consulting company and, you know, be in downtown Boston and, you know, live that life. And I ended up like saying, I want to be a supplement formulator. Like just because this one doctor like decided to tell me this and it totally shifted my path. And so words can radically affect who you are. And so that's when I got my passion to start working out and like health and supplements because I was like literally like spending hours in like GNCs and reading all these magazines. (laughs) Like you know, like people just see me in there for like four hours just reading labels. Like that was my thing. <laughs> and, That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh I ended up like finishing my degree uh at Babson, this business specialty school. And then I knew I had to get all these prerequisite classes, like at least it would literally be two years of classes, just very focused sciences. And I wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill for my master's. In nutrition and biochemistry. And I talked to this guidance counselor at UNC Greensboro, and he said that would be two straight years, 26 credit hours a semester of solid sciences, and you're a business student and you'll fail and you'll fail miserably, and you're not even in that good a shape. And I left there crying and almost committed suicide that night with pills and alcohol. Luckily that strengthened my resolve and I ended up not doing that obviously. And, and I ended up like going through those two straight years, getting straight A's and getting into Chapel Hill because I thought of that guy every single day when people are like, Hey, I want to go on a party. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I was like, I just thought of that guy's voice and it like, that was my strength every single day. But I say that just to like really illustrate, like, I mean, one person's advice almost took my life from me and one person's like gave me my life. So just yeah. like in the book, like I try and illustrate just how powerful like your exchanges can be with people. Speaking of your tribe, like just, you know, you, you think like your words may not have that much impact and they, they most certainly can.
2: Yeah, But I ended up
0: yeah, thank you. And I ended up going to Chapel Hill, my dream school. And I was cruising along, uh, but I was working a lot. I was working at a GNC. I was tutoring people. I was, you know, doing these master's classes full time, and and it was just tons and tons of work. And I ended up like pushing myself to extremes, and I got Epstein Barr, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, Hashimoto's. And that's when my body just completely shut down. I was about six months away from finishing up my master's and I spent about six months in bed in pain and inflamed again, suicidal, because I thought I would never get to be the, the person that like I was planning to be, uh, that I'd spent all this time studying for like to be a professional in the world. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life in bed. And that's when I stumbled into, uh, luckily into like keto and, you know, kind of eating paleo it wasn't called that back then, but, you know, doing all these things, looking into immune health supplements and it shifted me away from like aesthetic supplements, like bodybuilding kind of supplements and sports supplements to like more of this immune health and longevity. And so that changed my life because I was able to not be dead essentially And then, like, about eight years ago, I got a brain tumor. (laughs) And that was, that was, uh, again, I was working really hard uh, about 80 hours a week trying to help this company go to sale. And that hit me. And then that's when I got really into brain health and like really studying like ketone esters and salts and MCTs and, you know, dihydroberberine and all this stuff that I talk about in the book. And, um, you know, different now like neuropeptides and all these things. Like I find all that very interesting. And when I worked clinically, um, I worked clinically, uh, mostly in long-term care, but also in acute care, like hospitals, I definitely got to see a lot of Alzheimer's dementia and Parkinson's and neurodegenerative diseases. So that had a really huge impact on my on my studies and and these supplements that I've worked on and, and the diet and all the stuff that I talk about in the book. So, uh, there's, there's yeah. a why behind all of it. And I've also yeah. dealt with at certain points not going from being obese, but then to anorexic, like I went from 300 pounds to about 150 pounds and I'm like six, two, six, three. And I was like, like weighing myself after I peed, you know, just to see if I was like a little bit lighter, I was like obsessed with like just, you know, like how, like diuresis essentially, like I was taking like all these water pills and like, how lean could I get? Mm. And, you know, using like back then it was like ephedrine and caffeine. And I was like, just stimulated all day long, trying to burn as many calories as possible. And, And then that led to orthorexia where I was like working out for like four hours a day. And again, trying to get as lean as possible, but then it's like, I need the protein, like immediately after my workout or else I'm gonna lose my muscle and all that stuff has just got like a really dark twist to it. And I think people in the biohacking space can understand, like I've met a lot of people in biohacking that may come into it from like obsession over the numbers or the data or they're achievement driven. And so I've I've met a lot of people that kind of understand my thought process or my background. And that's where like, it can be helpful uh, to have drive. It can be helpful to use data, but it's also helpful to love yourself and have the tribe and, you know, grant yourself grace. And, you know, I love that biohacking now is really like, it went from being like Devices like in your brain and in your fingers, and you know, like super like Android kind of stuff like, <laughs> to being like you know, stem cells and then being supplements and then being bulletproof coffee and then being like breathwork and then being like journaling and you know, like plant yeah. It's like, wow, right. like biohacking oh. is really, really yeah. evolved. Um, so I
2: love that though. It's driven by the people and it's driven it by what you know, what we're learning is most important.
0: Exactly. And that's amazing. And, and all of that stuff is cool. It's just, it's really good to see that now biohacking does include these, these things that are nourishing for your soul, that, that sympathetic and parasympathetic balance is important. And so it's good to see that evolution.
2: Yeah. So you Oh, go ahead. (laughs) You you very briefly mentioned knowing your why, and that's something that you talk a lot about in the book and having a purpose and um, this word icky guy, which weren't huge fans of. Do you feel like that kept you going through all of these personal health struggles? And have you always known what that was? Has it changed? Was there a through line through all of this? You made so much progress and then you just kept getting knocked down by something else. Like what kept you going?
0: I, yeah. That's a great point. And, and I think the knockdown is really important that it kept happening to me because that gave me the resolve. Like I was saying, like how that guy, like that nearly killed me, but it also gave me resolve. And it probably wouldn't have gotten straight A's. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten into Chapel Hill without that guy that nearly killed me. You know, it's like, yeah. so now I have a very different perspective on that stuff. Like I talked about three years ago, I got really open about my depression in a presentation. I was worried about like, that people are going to be like, just give us the supplements and science. You know, that's all I had <laughs> done to that point. Like what's the stacks? Like what's all this story crap about like
2: your,
0: <laughs> you know, your depression and, and fight with obesity and anorexia and all this stuff. Like I thought everyone's going to be like, this is lame, but I took a chance. And luckily, like everyone loved it. And I talked about that my broken is my beautiful, like that's, it becomes a huge part of like my, my why and my purpose and my empathy, like how I connect with people. I care because I've been down and out, like almost everything Mm -hmm. to do with my book and my social media, I spend six figures on a year. I don't make money from any of that. Like I make money off my like ingredients, like and stuff I do that have nothing to do with this. This is all like, it's really about like, just my passion and serving. Like it's just something I feel is very important because I haven't had that voice sometimes. And I've been alone and I've been out on the edge. And so like this stuff like adds to my, work plate, so to speak, but like, it's so important to me. And it is, I know the reason I do, it is my why. So I love doing the formulations and the supplements and that's part of my why. And I've always known that, but like also telling my story and, and just connecting with people is, is something I've discovered along the way. And when people are like, you know, thank you. I was close, like, or what you said, Renee, that like, I've been through that too. Like, I get that a lot because I get that a lot because I've been sharing a lot, you know, that that I've been, I've been through a lot of things. If you read the book and someone like the one four-star review, someone's like, there's no way you've been through all this stuff. And I was like, (laughs) I left out like a ton of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that I didn't even feel like I still have to like work on how much I can share but I, I i was very open and uh i think that connects with a lot of people and and it helps me connect with me too like the more i get comfortable sharing the more i get that feedback from people that i feel like okay like you know like i can't like i don't have to just be the science guy like i can be the loving guy i can be the hugging guy i can be the caring guy you know so totally that helps yeah. my evolution
1: yeah i mean you can see the passion and what you do. I mean, the first day I met you, I could tell that. And the quote that comes to mind is living is forgiving, like mm-hmm. forgiving, not forgiving. You do, you, you give so much. And I remember we were all saying goodbye that Sunday and you looked at me and you were like, whatever I can do to help you and support you. I'm like, wow, like, that's so awesome. You don't meet all oh, Sean, I love you so much. I love you so much. I know. And like, I remember walking out of the room to go to the airport and, um, Molly and I were the first ones to leave. And I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm going to, I'm going to just lose it. I don't do well with goodbyes. Um, I was like, if I start crying, everyone's going to start crying. So I was like, I just gotta go. Um, <laughs> I've lived that many times. <laughs> yeah. Lauren experiences that with me. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I just
0: Literally, like, all crying now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we'll publish this uh, part of the video. No. Yeah, no, I just and I, I appreciate your openness. I think the more that we can all be open in this space, the more people we're gonna help. And not looking at our health journey as like, well, that totally sucked. You know, like that 10 years of my life sucked. It's like, no, like look how much I learned from that. And I hope that I can help someone else to prevent that burnout or dealing with anorexia and Actually, a question for you coming from someone that battled with anorexia for 10 years. And then I think I did go orthorexic for a while. It took me a long time to find that balance because I did go the other extreme. I was like, well, I'm just going to be gluten free, dairy free, sugar free, alcohol free, caffeine free. Like, uh, I can't go out to restaurants because it's going to have canola oil. And, uh, you know, and so how can't have fun? (laughs) Yeah, you can't have any fun. And then you lose the tribe, you lose the social part. And, So I think sometimes people are like, oh, you drink tequila or you eat bacon? Like they look at me like, I'm like, well, yes, you know, why not? So my question to you, Sean, is how, what advice would you give someone that is maybe dealing with orthorexia right now? Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't. How can you guide someone through that?
0: You know, I would say that the life is full of hormetic stresses is one you know, the junk food, the canola, the alcohol, it's been shown as I go through in the book that one to two drinks of alcohol a day is actually associated with longevity. But most people are not drinking that way or they're pounding it. You know, it's going to like very like
1: Saturday night binging.
0: Right, right. Exactly. But also an important factor in this is not only the life is filled with hormesis, if you let it be, in a good way, but it's how are you feeling when you're doing this hormesis? Like, so are you letting it be fun? Are you dreading this thing? This is like in the NLP I've studied, like that you can have psychosomatic anchors. So you can have things that are healthy for you, quote unquote, be unhealthy for you because of the dread and the emotions And the cortisol and the epinephrine and all the things that are like the the stories you're playing about this isn't I can't do this, this is unhealthy, this isn't whatever. Like you can Mm -hmm. make something healthy be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And it's like that self-fulfilling prophecy that you play out, and sure enough, like you get sick to your stomach or you know, whatever, because you're just putting yourself through it. But know that the opposite is true, you know, that you could have something that's unhealthy be somewhat healthy because that's the idea of hormesis it can be a positive stressor that you can actually get healthier and it's just like we were talking about before yes the sanitizer can kill all the good and back, uh, bad bacteria but then what are you left with like you're left with nothing and it's sterile and it's a sterile existence free of those experiences, free of those life forms. And you you're just left with scorched earth. And that's not like life. Like, so life is meant to be experienced. Life is meant for highs and lows. That's where all the emotion is. That's where the humanity is. And so if you try and keep yourself safe, you'll end up with a life not worth living.
1: That's a great analogy. Thinking of the bacteria, like the good bacteria and the bad bacteria, almost like different experiences, right? Every time you're exposed to something different, different experience, you grow or learn something. Well,
2: it's like an exciting terrain versus just a flat, boring road. Wouldn't you want the exciting? I love that you talk about that in relation to fear, mostly like the struggles that we come up against the fear we come up against. It's like, well, we learn from it no matter what, if you say yeah. yes to it. There's so much to be learned
0: in the, in the growth chapter. I talk about the stoic mindset, the obstacles, the way like like Ryan holiday's book. And that's all about relishing that challenge and knowing that you do find your purpose in that challenge that you do increase your resilience, your allostatic load, your stress bucket in that challenge that you get stronger. And that's where you experience yes, sometimes you'll experience hardships, but that's where you find that new restaurant. That's amazing. That's where you find that new culture when you're traveling. That's incredible. That's when you're proud of yourself that you spoke on stage or, you know, that you wrote that book or you, you know, tried on that dress. That's like the crazy dress or, you know, whatever it is that you're like scared of that it became a point of strength for you. You know, and that's that's important. It's just like the idea of hormetic stressors, like we were talking about with all these physiologic things. It's a way of thinking too that that's important. It's the glasses half full kind of thinking that you're the optimist and you do see the value in the challenge and you see adaptation and growth in the challenge. Like, you know, people think like LeBron James and Tom Brady and all these people like just happen. They don't just happen. It's like (laughs) It's years and years Mm -hmm. and years of difficulty of being put in a leadership position where you can fail. Like you're going to miss that shot. You're going to like, whatever it is. And everyone's going to point to you and say failure. I knew that guy's a joke. Like, but there are people that somehow like rise to the top despite that. And those Mm -hmm. are like, there's people that are more talented than some of these people that we consider heroes in any line of work, but it's those people that, have the resilient mind that can bounce back, that can find a way forward, that can pick themselves up that are the ones that end up being the people that we look to.
2: Yeah. That's what sounds point. like, you know, the Michael Jordan story. It was like, how many times did he, <laughs> how many times was he told no and he just kept fighting, working. Mm, and I, I love everything you just said. And it just reminds me of why I love Burning Man so much and I know for anyone listening that hasn't been, maybe that's like an eye roll moment. It's like, <laughs> how could that be hard? But like, it's hard. It's hard being there. And my first night ever there, I cried because I was like, what am I doing? This is awful. I'm miserable. And I had to work through that. And then it was a beautiful learning experience. So the rest of the week was still not easy, but I just think you put yourself in in environments that could potentially be teachers for you. And what would we be without that?
0: Yes, very much. And that's actually something we talk about in the, in the soul fam, the plant medicine space I'm in is like, also the idea of like, if something or someone triggers you exploring that, like, why is that?
2: Hmm. And it's always something
0: to do with you.
2: Oh Oh. yeah.
0: Always something to explore. Like if you're, you're thinking, Oh, that person's a jerk. I don't know. Why are they, you know, whatever. And it's like, you're thinking <laughs> all this stuff, it's you, it's your yeah. own crap. It's your own crap. You're dealing with
1: look in the mirror In the growth chapter actually for me. So I did, I did all the surveys throughout the book. So for anyone that hasn't read the book, every chapter, like Sean was saying, has a survey, which is great because it helps you prioritize what you need to be focusing on. And I scored pretty well, like experimenting, nutrition, exercise. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm rocking through this, the growth survey. I lost a couple points there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, Oh, all right. That's my thing I need to focus on.
0: So what are you going to do to grow more like what I'm curious with you two guys you read the book there's all this great stuff in it what are like a couple things that you're going to do differently or that you learned or you know something that you'll apply I mean because you're like this is honestly meant for the every person like even my mom like to read or or something but you guys are advanced biohackers so I mean reading a book like this like what what did you take away? Like, what is it that you'll change? I guess you're going to focus on, on growth Renee. Like, so what, what are you going to
1: do? I mean, that's a great question. I've gotten several book recommendations from people, but I think exploring masterminds mm, and Sean, I know you're, for me. yeah, you're a guru with that. Um, you and, and our dear friend, Molly, she's great with that too. Um, I think that would be something great for me to explore. But another chapter, actually, to come back to the experimenting, I love experimenting so much. Sometimes I throw too many things in at one time.
0: Mm-hmm. I so that in there, yeah
1: Yeah, so I'm Doing gonna work on
0: yeah.
1: cutting back and really being better about my end of one experiments, just trying one thing and really noting and not get excited about the next product that shows up at my door that day or <laughs> yeah. But it's so exciting. It is so exciting, <laughs> but I struggle with that um, over experimenting, I guess I would say. so that and and the growth, I think for me and and some supplements i mean, you're you're my supplement guru, and you talk about some really, really interesting formulas in there, and you know, definitely check out the book and learn more about those. um, like the one that you talk about for exercise. you actually let me try it over the weekend mm-hmm. the, Beba. Yeah. Right? yeah, actually, can you explain that real quick how that works?
0: Maybe there should be the biohacking Baba formula oh a little play, there. A little
1: play. I love it yeah, it's b b a i b a.
0: Yeah, beta amino acid. Yeah. So Ooh,
1: new product. It's an,
0: it's an exercise mimetic, like literally uh exercise in a bottle. There's been some uh experimental compounds in the past, one called carterine GW50156 or something like that. And another one called ACAR. Uh, but this is actually uh something that happens naturally in your body when you're intensely exercising. Your body releases this actually when it breaks down uh, an amino acid called lysine, um, or sorry, valine. When it breaks down valine uh, from the BCAA muscle pool, it turns into BABA. And BABA is a signal that tells your body, hey, intense exercise is happening. And so almost everything that's associated with exercise is associated with elevated uh, BABA levels. And so the first uh, experiments we did was one, seeing if supplemental beba raises plasma beba, and it does, and then seeing if supplemental beba is associated with all these amazing things, and it is. So we're seeing things like uh, improved bone mineral density, improved muscle mass, reduced fat mass, improved glycogen storage, improved uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which means neuroplasticity, uh, improved endurance, like, I mean, almost everything that's associated with exercise is associated with, uh, Beba. So very cool supplements, definitely Super cool. taking it. And then you can be a biohacking, babe, taking biohacking, baba.
2: Baba. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'm going to do that. Yes. <laughs> Sean, I'm curious of mm-hmm. all the supplements, you know, so much about supplements. If you had to choose one, maybe this is an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If you had to take one supplement the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh,
0: dihydroberberine. I do have a patent on it, but I get into it in the book that metformin is basically the most legendary drug among biohackers. Uh, if you look at some data extrapolated, like it's, it looks like several years of life extension is coming from metformin, even with people that are non-diabetic. We see that lowering insulin chronically is just associated with longer life. And certainly moving away from glycation, which is blood sugar damage, is certainly associated with longer life. That's like ages, advanced glycation end products and all that stuff. And then glycation is associated with inflammation and oxidation and all kinds of issues, mitochondrial dysfunction, which leads to insufficient cellular energy states, which leads to more inflammation, oxidation, glycation, and aging, and blah, 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 almost all disease states. So literally, metformin is almost not only anti-aging, but almost anti-disease because 99% of diseases are metabolic. There's really only about 1% of diseases are genetic, right, that we're actually Mm -hmm. born with. Everything else, including cancer, heart disease, all that stuff is metabolic. It's what are we doing to our bodies through our lifetime? And so taking berberine, which is, it's been shown head to head, has been superior to metformin uh, is something that I already thought was powerful. Like, it's funny, you look up Sean Wells, I can Google and like one of the top things is berberine. And then I looked into like trying to figure out a better berberine. And at the gut, you convert berberine into dihydroberberine. So it's about five to 10 times more bioavailable. And what's really cool is it lasts about twice as long in the plasma. So you take it less frequently and you take a lot lower doses and it doesn't have the the same GI distress that metformin or berberine can have. So really cool Mm -hmm. compound, um, the most potently anti-aging thing I know of if you're diabetic, this is definitely for you, but if you're in, if you're anyone that's into living longer and and having less risk of disease and having better body composition and being healthier, then this is something you want as well. So, and and if you do keto, like it's amazing to do a cheat with the dihydroverberine, Like literally, like you can have kind of high carb meals or something like that, and have very little impact. On your ketosis oh. and your blood sugar, it's kind of it's kind of insane, like how effective it is.
1: Wow, is there any danger of blood sugar going too low?
0: It doesn't work quite like that. I, okay. um, I'd say like maybe maybe a tenth of people might have some sensitivity to hypoglycemia at the beginning. Maybe a third of people that are type two diabetics will have some kind of sensitivity, like at the beginning but typically no, like most people don't experience that. Like it's more about um, insulin sensitivity and glucose disposal and and, like going into um, like preferentially being like stored in the muscle versus um, fat. So it's not like something that you'll see like massive drops in blood sugar. Mm. Um, You do see elevated ketones, which is cool. There is some drop in the blood sugar, but it's more like really like you shouldn't get obsessed with like some people say like, Oh my, you know, my, my blood sugar is this. And you know, my hemoglobin A1C is that. And while that's important, the the real telling story is not how high your blood sugar is or gets, but how like quickly does it come back down? Mm. That's what's really important. That shows like how, uh, insulin sensitive you are and how resilient you are. So it's important like to see, like, for example, like when I first was, was trying berberine, I did a, a a glucose challenge, if you will, of at this time, I was having. This is a, a long time ago, but I did like um, <laughs> two frosted pop tarts and like five double stuff Oreos. And oh my gosh! My, my blood sugar went from like seventy to like, uh, and I was keto. Two
2: hundred. Yeah,
0: literally, and at two hours, I was at one ninety nine, and I don't even know if I was coming back down. Um, when I took berberine five hundred milligrams. Um, I did this a week later, so like a washout. Um, I went from seventy to never got above a hundred and was already coming back down at one hour. Wow, so, power yeah, massive difference. Like so this yeah. is very powerful stuff. So it's more about yeah. like it's more about kind of the the suppression of like, you know like um, the big excursions get and how long it stays elevated than it is about just outright lowering blood sugar.
1: Yeah. It, it goes back to the idea of resilience. Yeah. So you can look at that. Yeah. How quickly does your blood sugar come back down? How quickly can you recover from a hard workout? How quickly can you recover from a night of poor sleep?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So this, yeah, this can, um, help with all of those things. It's also like, um, I mean, it's been shown to, because we were talking about like with glycation, it's been shown to improve inflammation, dyslipidemia, um, improve it actually is a minor, and this is true of metformin too, like they at first thought like, well, it's hurting the mitochondria, but the degree to which it is, is actually a mito So mm, it
2: actually I like
0: that. Like, mm. increases biogenesis, mitochondrial biogenesis and improves function of the mitochondria. So it's is really that
1: like good. the mitophagy, same thing.
0: Yeah. yeah same idea. Okay. Well, yeah. Mitophagy is cleaning out the mitochondria. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. You. All right, I'll have to experiment with that one too. <laughs>
0: That's um, supplement in the biohacker babes line.
1: Yes. Can you help us label <gasps> that? Start that
0: <laughs> for everyone listening that wants a supplement line. you please wait.
1: <laughs> Yes. All right.
2: Rebrand starting right here. Well, Sean, you're such. Th- go oh, ahead. Go Renee. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably so, thinking we the could, same thing. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about supplements and nutrition. You're a wealth of information. We could talk about it for hours. But mm-hmm. I just want to come back to some other really powerful messages in your book. You have this, you've coined this term biohactivism. Am I saying that right? Yep. Yeah. Can you explain what that is? I was so moved by this. And I just think um to give some some actionable advice, it just feels so uh practical.
0: Mm, Thank you. Um, yeah, so there's obviously biohacking is hacking your biology. That's kind of a mashup term. And then there's another mashup term that I stumbled into called hacktivism, which if you think of like Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, like anonymous, these like hacking groups that are doing things for like the social good, that's the idea of hacktivism. And so I love the idea of like, Hacking your own biology for the good of everyone around you. Like, so that, you know, that N of one equals N of infinity. So that your self experimentation isn't just about, I can be more limitless. I can do more. I can get more money. I can, you know, work harder. I can do this and that. Like I can, I can biohack myself so I can have a greater impact because when I'm heads up, when I'm thriving, that's when I can, you know, see that person. That's when I can connect with those people. That's when I can have a a real impact because I believe like the right situation, the right person, the right timing is happening all the time around you, but your head's down so much that you don't even notice it. Yeah. And so when your head's up, when you are thriving, when you're not grinding, which is a term I don't like, like get out there and grind. Like you're, it's like heat is, you know, coming off like smoke and pieces are breaking down and you're miserable and your heads down and you're suffering through it and sacrificing through it. And that's not a way to live life. We need to be uh hustling at times. We need to be sympathetic nervous system at times, chasing things, but to get to the flow state where you're in your purpose, where you're living your why, where things are coming to you, and there's balance in that life. So that's the idea.
2: Yeah, that's I love great. that.
1: I love it. We've
2: talked on the show about how biohacking can really take you into a corner and away from people. You can become so obsessive that it's isolating. And I guess there is a time and a place for that, but you always have to come back to the people, keep your head up, make sure you're part of a community because what good is it if you're just (laughs) in a corner hacking yourself?
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big motivation for me to prioritize my health, like not to be selfish, but when I'm, like you said, when I'm healthy and thriving, I can help more clients. I can be a better wife. I can be a better sister and I can do more podcasts. You know, it's like, it's just (laughs) exponential. And it's sad to see, um, there's someone in my life right now that I'm watching grinding is the perfect word. They are working, 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 saving so much money, but I'm like, what are you saving the money for? you know, like you're not, you're not experiencing life. And it's really sad to me to see.
0: Yeah. That's, that's scarcity thinking versus abundance thinking. And, um, in NLP, they also talk about like away from thinking versus towards thinking. And so some Mm -hmm. people are like motivated by, I don't want this. And then you ask them the reframe. And that's one of the most important values in successful people is reframing. You know, like these successful heroes that we talked about before, they're all expert reframers. And so the reframe to that is like, well, what do you want? What is it you want instead? And that's the way that you need to be thinking is towards thinking, abundance thinking that if I win, we all can win that, you know, the rising tide uh, raises all ships kind of thing. You know, it's, that's that type of thinking that we need to manifest.
1: Yeah. I think most people can quickly list off what they don't want, but you're right. You ask them what they want and they're stumped. <laughs> so there's your lesson for the day of many. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good <laughs> exercise for sure. yeah. yeah. Well, Sean, I want to respect your time because you are a very, very busy person, not grinding. You're just busy helping people <laughs> um, and living life to the fullest. But before we let you go, we want to ask just for one final piece of advice, something that Everyone listening can start doing today to upgrade their health, wellness, relationships, anything. I got it. All I right. It. <laughs> I've
0: already given you all kinds of cool stuff, but yes. <laughs> I would say this is the one that will throw most people off. I don't know with this crowd, but it's mouth taping. It's mouth taping. Oh. Most people think that, you know, snoring like they don't want to hear snoring, but they don't realize that snoring is attached to mouth breathing, which is attached to a degree of apnea, which is attached to not oxygenating your tissues enough, which means a suppressed HRV, which means not being able to recover enough, which means you're not going to live as long or have as much alertness or quality of life. And we see that if you get six and a half hours of sleep or less, that you have a greater propensity towards heart disease and type two diabetes, you actually put yourself in a state of acute insulin resistance, which is why we're always like reaching for the coffee or some sugar. Like, you know, if you're just tired right in the morning. And so it's going to be the same, even if you get, eight or nine hours of crappy sleep because you are mouth breathing. So it's important that we train ourselves to be nasal breathers. So taping your mouth can be important. Now, if you're really apneic, if you're going, if you have gaps where like, you know, you might go 30 seconds a minute without breathing, like that's when you need to like do a sleep study, go see a doctor, um, maybe get CPAP device or like an oral device, with the dentist, all that stuff. And, And that is a huge problem, and people in their 40s and 50s die. Strokes, heart attacks, don't wake up because of that stuff. It's very serious, I can't stress that enough. But tape is going to be a game changer in how you wake up and feel in the morning. And over time, you won't have to use it anymore, like you can, or you might just need to use it on occasion because you'll train your body to be a better nasal breather. And it also will help not only to sleep with it, but to use it when you work out or if you go out in the yard and do some sprints or you know, something. Uh, because again, a lot of us like overly rely on mouth breathing, and that's just a very inefficient way to breathe. You're, the temperature isn't right. The moisture isn't right. The filtration isn't right. Uh, there's a number of things that are happening with inflammation. Like It's just not ideal to be a mouth breather. It's a backup system. So training your body when it's relaxing to use the nose and when it's stressed to use the nose uh, is important. So that would be my piece of advice.
2: That's I think great. you mentioned okay. SomniFix. Is that your preferred tape of choice? Yeah, you
0: can just buy like cheap paper tape too. Like you know that works too. But like yeah, you can get like more official strips like on you know Amazon or whatever. Yes, i the fix.
1: Yeah, I love That's that. I have. Well, Thank our you. our dad who treats a lot of sleep apnea and sleep disordered breathing is going to love your answer today. Yeah, so there <laughs> you go, <laughs> dad. Because <laughs> he's always like, no, not enough people are talking about the airway issue and snoring. And like you said, people joke about snoring, like, oh, I'm just going to put a pillow over his head while he's sleeping, or they'll sleep in separate bedrooms. But like, it's a serious risk. And we, learned yeah. and I, we saw our our grandfather who passed, um, he had a heart attack after multiple heart attacks, but he snored so bad that him and my, our grandmother had to sleep in separate bedrooms, but my dad wasn't so aware of this issue back then, which I think is why he's so passionate about it today. But mm-hmm. yeah, great. I'm so glad you brought that point up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So for anyone that's listening, if you haven't heard this on our show before, our data is a, a fantastic resource. If you are struggling with sleep apnea or in any upper respiratory issues. Yeah. Can't Thank be you so much for that advice, John. Yeah. It's really great. It.
1: <laughs> well, Sean, we will link all these good things in the show notes. So we'll link to your book, your um, extra free resources that sound great and all your social media. I know Sean, you're very active on Instagram. I definitely recommend everyone follow Sean. He's always posting great stuff on there, um, but yeah. we'll link to all your links on there
0: at Sean Wells on Instagram, S H A W N Energyformula.com for the book and Sean wells.com has a bunch of cool stuff too. Like all of these scientific guides and all that stuff. and, and I've been doing a uh, clubhouse at biohacking.
1: Oh, great. Oh, okay. All we'll right. I you know. On there, I need to get on the clubhouse train.
0: Yes.
2: Let's do Everyone. it. Do yeah. One on there. Yeah. The, All right. the trio, the trio, we got to get the trio on clubhouse
0: necklace though. I need to get this that you guys have.
2: Oh, oh we'll God. send you one. Yep. Okay. On. Go right <laughs> with your blue. <laughs> You're in. <Awesome. laughs> you passed. Oh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. This is a joy.
0: Thank you for the laughter and tears and all the great conversation. I appreciate you both.
2: Appreciate, I appreciate
0: you. you.
1: <laughs> thank you, Sean, and thank you to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Love this episode of the
2: BioHacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.